then it shows that you have, and you have one of the qualities that is necessary for complete faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this hadith, this hadith is talking about a number of actions of the heart even. And that's why the example that, that uh, was mentioned about withholding your anger, because withholding your anger is what? It's an action of the heart. That's, that's part of sabr, right? which, which comes under this hadith, mana'alillah. طيب, ماشي. Number 14, we'll just do this one real quickly, inshallah, we'll keep it moving. Who's the Sahabi for this hadith? Who's the Sahabi for the previous hadith? The one before that? Anas, the one before that? Abdullah bin Mas'ud, was it? No, it was Anas. Who was Ennis? Anybody here named Ennis? Nobody named Ennis? Subhanallah. Yes, we have an Ennis in the back? MashaAllah. Who was Ennis of Imadik? Yeah, of course he was a Sahabi, yes. <laughs> was he from the Muhajireen or from the Ansar? From the Ansar. Yeah. Was he young, old? He was young. He used to serve the Prophet ﷺ. He said that the Prophet ﷺ said, none of you is a believer until I am more beloved to him than his children, his parents, and all of mankind. His children, his parents, and all of mankind. How is this an action of the heart? Yeah, but why, why, why do you have to love the prophet more than you love your children, your parents, and all of mankind? So, sorry? Repaying him? Obeying him. Yes, of course, because if you love someone who's in authority, you're going to obey them. That's not really the issue. Yes. Because, hold on, we love him because of what? Because only if we love him we can follow. Okay, let's go back. Well, hold on. Do, time out, time out. When we talk about the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, loving Allah, right? And we talked about four categories under, under or a specific type of love. The first is loving Allah. The last one is loving others with Allah. So do we love the Prophet with Allah? The way that we love Allah? La. La. You can't love the Prophet, والسلام, the way that you love Allah. So we have two other categories here. We love the Messenger of Allah for the sake of Allah. Okay. And we love him because Allah is loved him. How does this now become that he is more beloved to us? Because he was the best in his obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was the one that was closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of that obedience. 
he was the person most beloved to Allah. And therefore, we have to love him more than anything. More than our parents, our children, and all of mankind, even ourselves. Even ourselves. Tell you, what is the indication that one loves Allah? Yes. That he loves the Messenger وسلم, and that he does what? That he follows the Messenger If you love Allah, then follow me. Allah will love you and he will forgive you of your sins. So following the Messenger of Allah following the Messenger of Allah is the indication that one really loves Allah. That is the that is the sign. And it is impossible for one to claim that he loves Allah and he just constantly is in disobedience of Allah. He has to struggle in that regard. Uh, we have about a half an hour and we've got to move through a few hadith. And, and look, at the end of the day, these hadith that we're covering are part of revelation. They are wahi. Allah sent down the Quran and he gave the sunnah to the Messenger the Prophet He didn't speak from his own desires. It is revelation that was revealed to him. So the sunnah is also revelation. Just by reading revelation and understanding it and we've accomplished a lot. So I'm not going to stop at all of these hadith but I think that many of them are important for us to understand the basic concepts of them. And inshallah ta'ala, it will help affect some change in the way that we view things. Type hadith number 15. Who has the mic? Somebody, you got a mic? Type. Somebody just read the hadith, inshallah, please. To break the monotony of my voice. Zakallah khaylan. It was narrated that Jabir anhu, said, three days before the Messenger of Allah وسلم, died, I heard him say, no one of you should die except that he had good thoughts about Allah. Okay. This hadith was collected by Muslim. What title would we give this hadith? What title would you give this hadith? Remember, we're dealing with actions of the heart. Okay. The, the importance of Allah's love, not in this hadith. Yes. Hope and Allah's mercy. I, I like that one. That's good. Yes. What the heart should die upon. Okay. Yes. Husnudhan. Who said it? MashaAllah. When we stop there? Okay. So, having good thoughts about Allah. Wallahi, wallahi, wallahi. This hadith, 
in the one after it. Let's read the one after it, and then I'll combine the explanation, inshallah. Yeah, keep going, Akhi. Who has the mic? Yeah, just, just read, read, read. Just here, right there. Abu Huraira reported, Messenger of Allah said, Allah the Exalted says, I am as my slave expects me to be, and I am with him when he remembers me. Okay, Bukhari and Muslim, right? I'm as my slave expects me to be. The same word we're talking about here is Okay. It is so critical. It is so critical that as Muslims that we have good thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani, one of the biggest issues amongst non-Muslims in general is that they have very bad thoughts about Allah in general, in general. They think really negatively about God. And that's a, that's a problem. So we're going to start here and we'll work our way down. It, the Prophet says that not one of you should die except that he has good thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet this was three days before he, before he died. The Prophet was sick for some period of time. So he felt like he was getting closer to death. So here's the thing. None of you should die except that. And you hear, for example, every khutbah, Ya Yaladina Aminu. Don't die except that you are Muslims. How, do you choose when you're going to die? Where you're going to die? How you're going to die? In general, no. So what does that mean to not die except that you are Muslim? It means that you have to live as a Muslim so that whenever it is that you die, you die as a Muslim. To have to not die except that you have good thoughts about Allah means that you have to live with good thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But especially, especially, and this is something that is indicated in the context of the hadith, especially if you get to that point where you feel like it's about to be over, that you have good thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why do you think that is? So this is inspiring in us, as the brother in the back said, hope. In Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hope in his mercy. Why? Because fear at the time of death does you no good. Fear when you're alive is a good thing. Because it keeps you away from doing things that would be displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a healthy kind of fear. As death approaches, You're not doing anything anyway. Everything remains now is what? Actions of the heart. It's all that remains. And so to turn that now and recognize, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about himself, my mercy has overcome my anger, my wrath. To know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yafrah bitawbat al-abd, that he's, he's happy that his servant has repented, that he accepts repentance. These are the things you want to think about as life goes on, right? So this is, this hadith 
inspires the action of the heart known as hope. All right? That's something that's very important. The, the next hadith is, is similar in meaning uh, with, with a little twist to it. And that is the hadith where he says, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, hadith Qudsi, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am as my slave expects me to be. Okay. Many people, when something bitter happens, right? We believe in al-qadr, khayrihi wa sharrihi, hulwihi wa murrihi. Yani the good and the evil of it, the sweet things and also the bitter things of life. We believe that all of that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you think that, if you think when something bad happens that, oh, Allah is humiliating me, Allah is putting me through all of these tests, I'm this, I'm that, I'm so wretched. What's going to be the natural outcome of that? Well, not, maybe not disbelief. Despair from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. I mean, so many negative things happen when we have that line of thinking. When we have that line of thinking. But if you are going through a test and your expectation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that I'm going through this because Allah is making me stronger. Yani, how do you develop the quality of sabr? Except that you've gone through something that's a bit difficult. And then you come out of it and you realize, well, Allah, when you look back, you say, alhamdulillah, that Allah azawajal, yani, tested me with that thing, put me through that. I would have never learned how to do this had I not been going through that. You understand? A lot of times we can't see the wisdom in everything until it's over. And sometimes we may never even understand it fully, and that's fine too. But we have to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants good for us. We have to believe that. When we understand that Allah azawajal, otherwise he guided you to Islam for what? So you could go to hell? So that you could live miserably? This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no, we have to have better assumptions about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to really know that whatever it is, look, who memorized Surah Al-Fajr? Don't, don't, if you memorized it, you raise your hand. I say, I'm going to call on you, of course, so don't worry about it. Okay. 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 وَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانِ إِذَا مَا بَتَلَاهُ طيب, the first ayah. فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانِ إِذَا مَا بَتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعَمَهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَكْرَمَهُ طيب, translate that. <laughs> okay, so Allah blesses him. He gives him something. Ah, he says, Allah akramin. Huh? Allah has honored me. Oh. 
Here's the problem, though. What happened? Oh, but if, oh, the minute things get a little bit tight, huh? at first he was up there swimming in Allah's blessings, huh? maybe even using them to disobey Allah, and then things got a little tight. Perhaps Allah wanted to reel him back in. So wait a minute. Oh, you need to get tested this way to help you remember. Come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, my Lord is humiliating me. Is that good thoughts about Allah? Recognize, recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us for different reasons. The important point is that to have always, and not just during tests, not, not just because you're going through something, to always expect the best from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, you're up, something is up and coming. You've got a big exam in front of you. You've got a new job opportunity. You've got this. Expect the best from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Expect that Allah is going to always give you what's good for you. Such that you go, you apply for this job that you've been wanting. And then it doesn't work out, but you pray this istikharah. And you know that if it was something good for you, Allah would have given it to you. Why? Because Allah wants good for you and you believe that, you expect that from Allah. I expect the best. And so Allah will give you the best. But if you're always pessimistic, you always think the worst, then that's what you're going to get from Allah. It is a mindset and it's very important that we change the way we think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not be so negative and not be so negative and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this hadith and I am with him when he remembers me and so we should always be in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala next hadith Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with you. Oh, time out. So, number uh, 15, we said what was la yuhsinudlan? We said hope or we said um, good thoughts about Allah. I like hope for number 15. And for 16, good thoughts about Allah. Expecting the best from Allah. Expecting the best from Allah. Right. 17. We need to come up with the title for 17. If you keep, go ahead, read, Akhi. Yes. Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, seven people Allah will give them his shade on the day when there should be no shade, but the shade of his throne, i.e. on the day of resurrection. And they are a just ruler. Number I, one. So put a number one over a just ruler. Yeah. A youth who grew up with the worship of, worship of Allah, uh, I'm not sure grew up with the worship of Allah is the best way to explain it. Yani, he, sorry? La, 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 that's coming, that's coming. Yani, okay, maybe. Number two, a youth who grew up in the worship of Allah. Fadl, Sheikh. A person, <coughs> a person whose heart is attached to the mosques. No. And number four, two men who love and meet each other and depart from each other for the sake of Allah, 
Yeah, they love each other for the sake of Allah. They meet each other and depart from each other for the sake of Allah. Yeah. A man whom an extremely beautiful woman seduces for illicit relation, but he rejects this offer and says, I fear Allah. Uh, it says an extremely beautiful woman, but in Arabic, it's imra'atun thatu mansabin wa jamal. She's both beautiful and a, she has authority. Mansab, she has a position of authority. And she's beautiful. That, that's important to understand because in a position of authority, what? Yani that refusal becomes problematic because she may be able to harm him. Whereas if she was just beautiful and didn't have any power or any authority and he rejected her, and he, it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah. Sorry? Like, like what happened to Yusuf, alayhi salatu wasalam. No. Yeah. A, a man who gives in charity and conceal it to the, such an extent that the left hand does not know what the right, hand, right has given. Mm. And a man who remembers Allah in solitude and his eyes become tearful. Al-Bukhari Al Muslim. Muslim. So here, there are quite a few um, angles that we could talk about when we talk about actions of the heart. But I want you to notice something. We've dealt with love, yani love, loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, loving for his sake. We've dealt with hope. So what do you think this hadith we're looking for? Fear. Yes, exactly. And why is that? Why do you think we're dealing with love, hope, and fear? Because your worship has three pillars. Worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has three pillars. Love, hope, and fear. And those three pillars are covered in Surah Al-Fatiha. Right? Where is love? In Fatiha. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Because you love your Rabb. And he subhanahu the, uh, a Rabb actually is the, the same tarbiyah, right? From that same root. Is the one who nurtures you, the one who cares for you. The one who nurtures and cares for you, love him or her. In this case, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you love Allah azza wa jal. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim gives us what? Hope. That even if we fall short, that he's still merciful to us. Maliki Yomidin gives us what? Fear. Because we know we have to be accountable and stand in front of him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we're not going to have anybody to help us. He's the king and he's the owner. He's the Malik and he's the Malik. And then what do we say in Fatiha? Iyaka na'bud. It's you we worship. We worship you with what? The love, hope, and fear that just proceeded in Fatiha. And then we seek his assistance in doing that, which is a tawakkul alayh. Anyway, the, the concept of, this is why uh, Ibn al-Qayyim also, when he talks about worship, he, he says that it's, it's, like, it's like a bird, where the head is love, and the two wings are hope and fear. They need the balance. They need that balance. If the head is cut off, then what happens? Then the bird dies. So if you have no love, there's nothing to propel your worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you lose either wing, if that bird loses either wing, what's going to happen? 
It's not going to die, but it can't fly either. And it's going to become victim. And it's going to be a prey of, of whatever out there, whatever predator is out there. And so likewise, your worship, if it loses either hope or fear, you become a victim to the shaitan. So which part of this hadith is our main focus? That, that man, that man who was seduced, but he rejected it. And he said, I fear Allah. Inni akhafullah. Inni akhafullah. So, and, and because of that fear, he is, or that category of people, are awarded shade on the day when there is no shade. When people will be standing, في عرصات القيامة, and in those plains on the day of judgment, and some of them the sweat will be to their ankles, and some to their hips, and some to their necks. These people will get the shade of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, on that day. And so fear of Allah Azza wa Jal is healthy. As long as it doesn't encroach upon the hope that you have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. 18. Somebody read. Bismillah. It is reported that Umar uh, bin al-Khattab narrated, I heard Allah's Messenger وسلم, say, the reward, of good, uh, the reward of deeds depends upon the intentions and every person will get the reward according to what he has intended. So whoever emigrated for the sake of Allah and his Messenger, then his emigration will be considered to be for Allah and his Messenger. And whoever emigrated for the sake of worldly gain or for a woman to marry, then his emigration will be considered to be for what he emigrated for. Okay, this hadith, this hadith, what title would we give it under the book, Devotional Actions of the Heart? What title are we going to give this hadith? Yes. Intention. I want something more than intention. Sorry? Immigration of the heart. That's actually, no, that, that's not a bad idea. Um, Ibn al-Qayyim actually talks about that, Risalat Tabukiya, which is translated into English. Um, it's a good, good book to read. Uh, okay, look. Intention can be for anything and for anybody, right? When we talk about actions of the heart that are for Allah, what type of intention are we talking about? Sincerity, ikhlas, yani something along those lines. That, that's, what, that's what we're looking for here. Um, obviously, this hadith, um, to, to be frank, uh, I, did a, I did a seminar on this hadith for seven hours. On this hadith alone. Um, so, to try to condense what could be said about this hadith is absolutely amazing. And uh, some of the scholars of the past used to say that 
if it was up to me, I would put somebody in the masjid just to teach people about intentions. That's all he would do for the rest of his life, from the time he can teach until the time he dies. Just teach people about Nia. Okay? What we'll talk about here is, is two things mainly. And I don't know, perhaps we'll get off topic, but hopefully not because we don't have a lot of time. Two things I want you to look at when we talk about Nia. The first thing is what is known as Nia al Amal, the, the intention related to the action. And then you have the intention related to the one whom the action is being done for. Niyatul Ma'muri Lahu. So you have the intention of the action and the one who's intended. Clear? Two categories. There's two categories. The intention of the action. So for example, two people are praying next to each other. One of them is praying Dhuhr. The other one is praying Asr. How do you know who's praying what? You don't. You don't. The only thing that separates the two is what? Is the intention. That's the intention of the action itself. And this is where, wallahi, wallahi, this is where people gain so much reward because they're doing mundane actions, but they're doing it for Allah. And if you keep this hadith in mind, it will change your life, I guarantee it. Some of the salaf used to say, I seek reward in my sleep the same way I do when I'm awake. Okay. He goes to sleep not simply because he's tired. He goes to sleep so he can get up and worship Allah. That's his intention when he goes to sleep. I'm going to sleep now so that I can get up and worship Allah. The whole time he's sleeping, what's happening? He's soaking in the rewards. SubhanAllah. When he eats, he's not eating just because he likes the food. But he's eating so that he can continue in the worship of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. When he goes to work, he's not just going to work to make money. He recognizes that this is a responsibility that he has as a Muslim man. And he wants to fulfill that responsibility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The food. We all go, we go, we go out and buy food, right? We do it because it's just, okay, khalas, this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, inshallah, there's a reward in that. But there's a different kind of reward when a person's niyyah is that they're fulfilling an obligation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed upon them. And so niyyah changes everything. Niyyah changes everything. SubhanAllah. Every mundane action that you do. Yani, and and I, I don't, I don't want to I don't want to single out the sisters in, in, in this one, but I will. Um, Sisters clean the house, wash dishes. They do all these mundane things that brothers just don't want to do. Never learned how to do. 
it would be a catastrophe if they did, right? And the sisters take that slack and they do it. Why do they do it? If they're doing it to please Allah, by pleasing their husbands, they are raking in the rewards. If they're doing it because culturally that's what the women in our culture do, then it's a good thing, but there's no, it's not like doing it to try to please Allah. And so we have to get to that level. We have to keep pushing ourselves. It, if, it, it takes a constant awareness, and it will change you, but you got to just keep working on it. And the more you work on it, inshallah ta'ala, the more conscious you will be of Allah and will change things. That's one thing. The other thing is, who are you doing this for? The one who is intended by the action. And that's where we have to be very careful to do what we do solely to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we have ikhlas, sincerity in everything that we do. Now, there's an issue here that um, I think is important just to discuss very quickly when we talk about niyyah and doing what we do for Allah That's because there's two levels to ikhlas. That is those actions that are accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are those actions which are purely for Allah. You have no other intention whatsoever. And that is the highest level of ikhlas. The highest level of sincerity. And it's rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Immensely. The second level is that you do it for Allah and for another permissible reason. We're coming up on the month of fasting. Some people are going to fast purely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to please him. Other people are going to fast and they're also going to be losing weight. It's permissible. It's, it's not for other than Allah. There's no other deity here. There's no other. It's, as the scholars say, it's okay to have that in your mind. I'll give you, I'll give you another example. A person may uh, be dutiful and, and keep very close relationships with their mother solely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they want, they want to please Allah by, by having that kind of relationship with their parents. And others will do it because they know the hadith where the Prophet wasallam says, whoever wants his lifespan to, to increase, he wants his wealth to grow, then let him keep good relations with his family members. Right? Now, this is not shirk by any stretch of the imagination. This is a reward that was mentioned by the Prophet And if you do it for that reward, who's going to reward you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even the reason, even the cause and the effect, that whole relationship between me being dutiful to my mother 
and my wealth increasing. Where does that come from? The only way I even know that exists is because I believe in the messenger, Isaiah Salatu was sent I believe in that cause and effect relationship. People might make hajj solely to please Allah. Well, and others make hajj for hajj and for tijara, for business. Allah subhanahu mentions it in the Quran. There's no harm in that, but it's not the same level of ikhlas as the first level. All right? So what we should be striving to do is to make sure that we're doing everything that we do only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we're going to talk about the disease